0: So, as we prepare to go into a new series next week, um, it's called A Work in Progress. I want to do something this morning that I haven't done in over 20 years. Um, what? <laughs> Dance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when, I, when I was a youth pastor, um, every year or so, I would... I preach a sermon that would challenge my students' um, faith claim. As a youth pastor, you know, you take kids on trips, you do all these kinds of stuff, and people raise their hands, and, and then as you, you watch their lives, you don't always see that, that, that spiritual maturity or growth, any kind of growth at all. So um, I would preach a, a, sim, a sermon similar to this one, not this one, but similar to it, what I would do is I would read Second Corinthians 13.5, and I'll just give you a quick, it says test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. This whole idea of testing yourself. And then I would talk through the implications of what it means to test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. And I'll be honest with you, the parents, a lot of parents didn't like it at all. They really didn't. Because after this, after that talk, a lot of the kids would come up and say, "You know, I'm not really sure where I stand with Christ. I made, I kind of was on this thing, and I, I, I said these words, or I raised my hand, or I came up front, but I don't really know what I was doing." And, and the parents didn't like that because the, the kids were kind of asking the question, "Do I really know Christ?" Do I truly, truly know Christ? I remember when I was in youth group, there were a lot of students that I hung around with and they all, we all, you know, pretty much acted the same. People were just pretty much talking about God. We sang in this choir, this huge youth choir and everybody sang in the choir. Everybody went to the national convention thing. Everybody, and we all talked the same. But then later on in life, as I got to be Facebook friends with people I hadn't seen in 30 years or so, 20 or 30 years, we get into conversations and they say, yeah, I'm not really, that whole, that whole Christian religious thing kind of deal, it didn't, it didn't really ring true for me or whatever. I was just really going there for the social aspect, you know. There were guys there, there were girls there, and I kind of liked the guys or girls, so I went for the social aspect, but I never, I really never believed, if you will. And so I would sit down with my students and talk to them about this. And so this morning, as we think about going to this, this next series, okay, A Work in Progress, Before we can talk about, okay, how do we grow in our faith in Jesus Christ? How do we, and how do we get to the next step? Because that's what we're going to be talking about. Taking the next step in your spiritual journey. How do I take that next step? Before we get there, I thought, man, the Lord has put on my heart, you need to make sure everyone is there. Now, I'm assuming everyone is there, but, you know, it's probably not the good thing to do, just assume. So, this morning, I want to make sure that everyone understands, okay, what it means to be a follower of Christ and kind of testing themselves, if you will, so that when we go into this next series, we know where we are. You could say, well, I'm not even sure I'm a believer. Or, yeah, I am, but I need to grow. But I want everybody to understand where they are spiritually before we move into this thing. Now, most often... People who live in, there's people who just live in fear that they aren't saved. If if you're one of those people who kind of like now thinking, oh man, I'm not really sure. um, The people who are concerned about whether they know Christ or not are usually the safest people of all. Okay, they really are. They're, they, they're, you know, I'm gonna make sure I'm, I'm, I'm walking with Christ, and do I really know Christ? And those people need to worry the least. People who don't know Christ, honestly, even in church, people who don't know Christ really don't care about their salvation that much. They're kind of there for the social aspect, and they don't, they don't really care about the sin in their lives. They don't really make much. Doesn't make much difference to them. They just live the way they live, and they don't really think much about it. So if you're concerned about your behavior, that's a really good indication that Christ is in you. Like if you're, if you're concerned about the things that you do, if, if it bothers you when you make, when you make poor choices... It's a good sign that you are walking with Christ because that's a good sign the Holy Spirit is prompting you and drawing you closer to Christ and convicting you, making you feel convicted over the things that you're doing. You're saying, you know, if you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's a good sign of saving faith. For all the people who are saved and concerned that they're not, there are more who think they are and they aren't. That's important. A lot of people walking around, I'm telling you, in churches, and they think they are, but they aren't. But they don't give much, they just kind of go through the motions, don't give much thought to it. The people who are concerned that they're not, they're probably, they're usually pretty much safe because they're actually concerned about it. A lot of people think that they, because they, and this is important, okay, I want you to process through this. A lot of people think, well, they, they come to a church like Grace Chapel and they think, well, I when I was 12, I went through a class. And I went through all the weeks of the class and I got my certificate and everybody clapped, and that makes me. Mm. Some people think that's what gives them saving faith. Some people say, well, you know, I remember back when I was 15 or so, I went to a camp and I raised my hand and clicked my heels together three times. I came forward and, you know what I mean? I said all the right things and, you know, and some people think that just because they grew up in a Christian home, that my parents were Christians and my siblings were Christians and we all went to church, we all did our thing, that that somehow, that, some, that somehow makes them a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a follower of Jesus Christ when you choose to follow Jesus Christ. When you recognize, okay, the death, the life, the sinless life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism this morning. Those, those folks were saying, they were saying, hey, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I have given my life to Christ. I want everyone to know it. So going to camp or going to camp or, uh, or go, going through a class or all these other things or coming to church or growing up in a Christian home, just because you grow up in a barn doesn't make you a cow, Right. <laughs> Just because you grow up in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. It's something that you need to choose for yourself. Something that you need to recognize for yourself. I worry. I mean, I, honestly, I think it's a loving thing to do to preach this kind of sermon. Because I would rather, honestly, uh, here's the thing. Um, when I was 18 years old, you say, well, I went to camp and I got saved. Does that mean I'm not saved? Because I went, no. I, I I gave my life to Christ at a Christian camp when I was 18 years old. And the moment I raised my head from my prayer, though, I began to follow Jesus. I was a follower of Jesus because that, that commitment was a commitment in my heart. And now I wanted to be obedient to God. And I would tell you the truth. I would rather sit here this morning, have people a little uncomfortable, and figure this out on this side of heaven than on the other side. I mean, think about it. I would rather some people go, man, you're challenging my faith. No, I'm, that's not what I'm doing at all, matter of fact. I'm not doing that at all. I'm asking you to challenge your faith. Here in Second Corinthians 13.5, We find Paul issuing a very pointed and passionate call to the Corinthian church. And here's what he says. Examine yourselves. So this is what we should do. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. Not my job to test you. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. That's pretty straightforward. Now, we need to give a little background here before we move on. The Corinthian church at this point was questioning Paul's authority and the authenticity of his faith. You get these rebel rousers in the church, right? And they're jealous of Paul and he's gone. You know, he's gone from church to church. You know, it's funny. I'm, just, I'm going to do a sermon on this sometime. But you know, the, the thorn in the flesh. Everybody wondered, what is Paul? What What ailment did Paul have? The thorn in his flesh, the thorn in his flesh. You know what I believe the thorn in his flesh was? The church. I don't think it was anything physical. I think it was emotional. If you read through Paul's letters and the beatings that he took emotionally from people. It's it, overwhelming. So he leaves, all of a sudden, Satan gets in there and starts stirring people up. And this is the, this is the environment. And they were questioning Paul's authority and his authenticity. So his response was simple. It was really simple. If they can recognize the genuineness of their own faith, then they should be able to rec- recognize the genuineness of his faith, right? If you can recognize the genuineness of your own faith, then you should be able to recognize the genuineness of someone else's faith. Because Paul led these folks to Christ. And Paul has been walking with Christ in authenticity all along the way. So he leads them to Christ. He's walking with Christ. And so he's challenging them. He said, basically, listen... If you can recognize the authenticity of your own faith, you should be able to recognize the authenticity of my faith. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 6, he says, And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. We have not failed the test. Test yourselves. Don't you know Jesus Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And he goes on. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. In other words, if you're a believer, you should be able to recognize the, the, spirit's, the Spirit's work of holiness and sincerity in a person's life. So he's challenging them to look into their own hearts. You know what I find? Most often, people who, um, who accuse others many times are hiding something themselves. And Paul knew this. Those folks but he left behind that are accusing him and, and challenging his authenticity and challenging his authority and challenging all this stuff... They were living their lives in kind of a really shady way. In 2 Corinthians 12.21, Paul says this, I'm not afraid, I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you. And I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. So cast when I'm behaving this way, I'm living my life this way. I want to cast dispersions burdens on you. I want to kind of hold you out and try to hold you up as someone who's not and challenge you. And it, it keeps the pressure off me. If I shine the light on you, the light of the, I'm, on the, I'm in the dark. I, the light's not shining on me. And Paul's saying, hey, wait a second. Here's my concern. Okay, here's my concern. That when I come and visit you, I'm, gonna, I'm going to see that the sin that was in your life earlier, you haven't repented of that sin yet. So they're trying to shovel it off on Paul, and Paul's kind of pushing back a little bit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, Paul tells them, and a lot of you remember this, stand firm in your faith, all right? So he tells them to stand firm in their faith. Then all of a sudden this starts to bubble up, and now he says they need to test themselves to see whether they are actually in the faith. So he's saying, stand firm in the faith and all this starts to come up and he wants to challenge them. So he says, he says, you need to test yourself to see whether you're actually in the faith in the faith to fail, to fail that test is to discover through self-examination. Okay. This is important to fail. This test is to discover through self-examination that Jesus is not in them. Or in us. Self-examination. How do you examine yourself? Someone say it. Through what? The Word of God. Yeah, through the Bible. You know the Word of God. So you look in the Word of God, you're looking at your own life, and you're saying, I am not living according to the Word of God. I'm going through, I, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of like... I'm a chameleon. I'm this way when I'm here, and I'm that way when I'm there. There's no I have really no desire to repent of my sin. I have really no desire to walk, to truly walk with Christ. I don't really care if I read my Bible. I don't really... So it's just kind of like a cultural thing that I'm doing. He's saying, you need to test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. And to fail the test is that after you've... There has been self-examination you realize that Jesus is not in you. Paul may, Paul may be confident, and I'm, I'm sure he was. He may be very confident that the people that he has led, okay, will pass the test. But the possibility always exists that some may discover, honestly, that they failed. And again, you think, well, how do you judge someone else's faith? He's not judging someone else's faith. He's telling them to judge their own. That's a loving thing to do. If you see someone who says they're a believer and they're just living like the devil. I'm serious. And they just, the, their, their language is no different than the world. And their behavior sexually is no different than the world. And the way, way they, the way they act when they go out is no different than the world. And the way they interact with people is no different than the world. And they never, it, you know, it's a loving, hear me out. Okay, we're talking about eternity here. It is a loving and compassionate thing to do. To just ask someone, hey, where do you I just, I love you. I really do. And I'm not trying to be your judge. God's, God's the judge. But what I'm doing is pointing out what I see. Help me understand why you feel your, the comfort to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend anytime you feel like it. Or to use that kind of language or to do. And, and, and just help the person recognize that. Because you'd hate to be, honestly, you'd hate to leave this world and be on their side. And someone have to say to you, man, I, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you challenge me? Why didn't you even have the love love me enough to ask me these kinds of things? So Paul may be confident that they'll pass the test, but there is the possibility that when they examine themselves, they may fail the test. In other words, they need to face the reality of self-delusion, like they you know deluding themselves into thinking that they that they they have assurance. They have this false assurance in themselves. Because, they, because they're diluted. They're not really thinking it through. They're just kind of, again, they're getting swept up with the crowd. When they're here, they just kind of go along. And, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. Cheap grace. People think that, you know, oh, yeah, I raise my hand, do anything, I can do anything I want for the rest of my life. Well, if you're, if you truly have saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you're walking with Christ, that's very true. You can't lose your salvation. The question we're, we're talking about this morning here is, do you actually have it? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And again, I, I, I'm I'm being really cautious in how I'm presenting this and everything else. I don't want to come across like hellfire brimstone and pointing fingers at people. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. I just know we're going into a series that's extremely important to our spiritual growth. And we all need to be on the same page. And if one person in this room walks away this morning and goes, you know, I'm not really sure. And talks to me and, and gives me a call or gives another staff person a call. One of the elders and one of the leaders. And just walks that through. Then you know What? Wonderful. That's fantastic. Now we know where we are. We can go from there. So this is, this is one of the most loving sermons you'll ever hear me preach. may not feel like it, okay? But it is. I love you. Okay? Okay, so this brings us to our own self-reflection here. Our own self-reflection. Let's process through a few questions that may help us. Some of the questions that you, you can think through. Am I in the faith? Are my beliefs governed by Scripture or my own opinions and perspectives? Think about that. Are my, do, do I live my life according to the Scripture, according to the Word of God, or according to my own opinion or according to my own perspective? That has as much weight to me as Scripture. Do I elevate, think about this, do I elevate my feelings over the Word of God? Like I would sit down with, I honestly will sit down with people in the 21st century especially. You sit down with someone and they're doing something and you open up the word of God and you say, here's what God's word says. And years ago, this didn't happen very much, but it does now. People say, "Well, well, I feel God is... I feel like God told me, and I feel, and everything. Like somehow their feelings have equal authority with the Word of God, even if their feelings contradict what we're reading from the Word of God. So you've got to ask yourself, and be honest, be honest, okay? Do I elevate my feelings above the Word of God? Do And, and other other church backgrounds, do I elevate my traditions above the Word of God? Some churches it says like okay if you do something long enough it has as much weight as scripture wrong it never does you can do something as long as you for five hundred years do the same thing over and over again and have it tradition in the church and it does not have the same authority as the word of God it does, it does not nothing does my feelings don't my opinions don't my perspective don't doesn't my 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 traditions don't none of that does so you have to ask yourself Do I elevate anything over the word of God? Do I honestly accept the Bible's claim of the incarnation of Jesus Christ? God, the God in human flesh comes down to earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, okay, died on a cross for my sins, rose again, so that I could be saved from my sin. Is that something I believe? Do I truly believe that? Because that's what, right? Romans ten nine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So we need to ask ourselves, these are tough questions we need to ask. Is my life, is my life shaped by the reality of God's truth? Do I live my life according to the word of God? Now, if you say, well, not all the time. Well, that doesn't mean you're not a believer. You're not a follower of Jesus. It means you need to work on that. You need to grow, right? I need to grow. I need to grow. I need to get to that next place in my life. I I kid you not, I'm working so hard in my own life on some issues right now. And they're not like anything deep and dark I could, you know, talk about in church. None of that. It's really just my own, it's my own mind and trying to work. What does it mean? Honestly, here, I'll tell you what it is. What does it mean to truly, utterly die to self? What does that mean? Now, some people are like, what are you even talking about? Right, because you're growing, you 're on that first step, and you 're growing, but as you get older as a believer, you start asking other kinds of questions: God, what does it mean for me to die? My, I, I, when I gave my life to Christ, I died, and my life is now with Christ is hidden with God in Christ. So I died to my what does that mean to die to self? How do I interact with other people in that scenario, to be dead to self? And to just live completely for Christ. That's a, that is a part of sanctification. It's going to go on for the rest of my life. And if I, if I think I've gotten to a place on that step, then it's another step. And another step. That's what we're talking about this morning. It's not, it's not, so if, you're, if you say, well, I'm not exactly sure if I'm living up to exactly what you're saying. That's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is... Ask yourself these questions. If you're struggling with them, you're probably, you, you probably are have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. You just need to grow in that era. We're, none of us are ever, we've never gotten there. We're getting there, right? God will take me as I am, but God doesn't want me to stay as I am. Alright? And Christians say, well, God takes me as I am. Well, yeah, He does. He absolutely does. He takes you as you are, but honestly, He doesn't want you to stay as you are. He wants you to keep growing and being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So, and this is key. This is so key. When I, when I sin, ask yourself, when I sin, when I fall short, do I recognize it and repent? Do I honestly, do, do I recognize when I fall short and do I have a desire to repent? Or do I find ways to, to, honestly, to rationalize areas of my life that I know are inconsistent with God's word? Do I give in to my temptations? Do I give in to my desires and then justify them? Or, okay, or do I have a broken spirit like David when he sinned against God with Bathsheba? Is it is it more like, and you don't have to be David. I'm saying, is it more like David saying, Have mercy on me, O God, when I sin, when I fall short, when I make mistakes? Do you say to yourself, like, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression, wash away my all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin? For I know my transgressions and my sins are always before me. Against you, you only have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Okay, he goes on and on. Is that my attitude? I mean, at least trying to... Is that closer to my attitude? Or is my attitude to justify, to ignore, to rationalize my sin, okay? And just kind of move on. Because if, you're, if, you, feel no, if you feel no conviction... And you have no desire to repent when you fall short. That's one of those things you've got to walk through with God in your mind. Why, why not? Listen, I, I don't, here's the thing. I don't want anyone to walk around in a consistent state of fear and guilt and shame this morning. That is not what I'm talking about here. That would just be, that, that would be wrong, okay? If you walk out of here thinking fear of like, oh, am I really saved or, you know, or uh, guilt-ridden or shameful, that's not what we're trying to do here. It says test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Test yourselves. And if you come to the point where you're convicted about something, ask God to forgive you. And if you come to the point where you're not sure where you stand with Christ, sit down with someone who you're close to, you know, is a follower of Jesus Christ and walk through that together. That's all I'm asking. Don't let Satan come in and start making you feel all like... There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is through the Holy Spirit. When I feel convicted, I ask for forgiveness and God forgives me and I go on my way. Satan will come in and talk like this and condemn you. You feel condemnation. Here's the thing. The Bible says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You shouldn't feel condemned. Convicted. Convicted. And try to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want. But I also want to avoid, to be honest with you, the opposite extreme that is characterized by a self-deluded person who's indifferent to the Word of God. If you're that person, you're just like, mm, take it or leave it. Then, I, then I, want to cha- I want to challenge you this morning with all the love of my heart. I want to challenge you to test yourself. This is, this is the most important test you're ever going to take in your entire life. So, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not, we're not going to go on too much longer here. But here is the true test for me. Okay, now, you know, giving your life to Christ, asking Christ to come into your life. We talked about it through baptism. I've talked about it up here. But in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40... It talks about how to live your life every single day. If you're, this is a good, a good starting point for you to really test yourself. Ask yourself. Jesus replied. He said, what, you know, how, how, what, is it, what is the greatest commandment? How do I know? It says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And you'll love your neighbor as yourself. You put other people before yourself. There's your starting point. Am I living that way? That's the ultimate test. Everything else flows out of that. So next week, here's what's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to go on a, a, a corporate, as a church, an individual journey. Okay, Um, this is going to be fun. You're going to get like little gifts every Sunday, you know, to remind you of things. It's going to be a blast. Okay, it's going to be a blast. So we're going to go through this corporate and this individual journey. Each of us t- needs to take that next step in our, in our faith walk. Every single one of us, from, from, from me as a senior pastor, all the staff, all the elders, all the, you know, everybody, all of us, every individual here, we need to try to take that next step in our spiritual journey. When we took the, when we took that reveal survey, remember you guys took that reveal survey? A lot of you took that reveal survey? That's one of the things that came out in the reveal survey. That's one of the reasons we're doing this series. We're responding to what you said you want. We're responding to what you said in that survey that you, you actually need. And so this next series is going to challenge us not to linger Too long in one place on our spiritual journey. If you're, if, right, a lot of people are saved, they, they know Jesus Christ, but they're kind of stuck. And what we want to do is kind of pry you out of your seat and move you along a little bit. Because it's not good to linger too long in one place in your spiritual journey. And we want people to constantly be thinking, how can I grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ? How can I become more like Jesus? That should be the question we ask every single day in every single circumstance we find in our lives at work at school at home with our kids with our spouses with our friends it doesn't matter how can i be striving to become more like jesus christ jesus wants us to test our limits all right he wants us to constantly push through he's saying to me constantly yeah what does it mean to die to self Someone did something to me, and it was like, I thought it was disrespectful. And I was and I was frustrated about it, and we were in men's Bible study. And I was just talking it through, and we were talking about the whole concept of servanthood. And one person said, Jim said, his name, his name is Jim, he said, you know, it's funny, I was reading, and he said, uh, I read this, he said, Christians love the idea of servanthood until someone treats them like one. Okay, he wasn't he wasn't like coming after me or anything. He didn't even know what he was saying when he said it and how impactful that was. Christians love the whole idea of servanthood, be a servant, serve other people. They love it until someone actually treats them like one. See, that's the kind of stuff we need to be thinking about. So if you're mature spiritually, that's the kind of stuff you need to be thinking about. Is that you? You get all worked up when someone tries to cheat you this way. Well, isn't that the way you're... (laughs) Isn't that the goal to be a suffering servant like Jesus Christ? So God wants us to test the limits of our faith and he wants us to live without boundaries. We got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing on the boundaries. For some that means honestly giving your life to Jesus Christ. Even this morning I want you to talk to me after this service is over. You're not sure, then you need to give you we need to make sure where you stand with Jesus Christ. All right? So it means that. For others, it means growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. How do I become more like Him? How do I take that next step in my faith walk? For that to happen, we need that iron sharpens iron. Honestly, it is really difficult to grow on your own. We need to be connected to one another. So this morning, as we close out here, I asked a few of our leaders to come up and just share with you some of the ways that you can get connected. And the first is Deb. You need him. Yeah, grab that one. Is that working?
1: Try it. Good. Try it. This is guessing. Yep. Oh, thank you, thank you. Okay. I'm. It's okay if I don't sit. It's like as tall as me standing, so it's a little awkward. Sorry. <laughs> one of us has really short legs in the family, and one of us has like. <laughs> Five foot legs, about as tall as I am. Um, I am really excited to invite you to our next thing for the women here, which is our women's retreat. And one of the best ways to get connected is to spend time together. And I know our lives are so incredibly busy. It is just chaotic. And as moms, women's, women's women, wives, single women, it doesn't really matter, but we tend to do so much today in culture And it seems really hard just to get a little bit of time to slow down and connect with each other. So one of the best things that we do in our year is to just go away for it's overnight and just try to spend time with each other and we are going to be doing that on march 8th and 9th and it really just gives us the opportunity one to meet new friends which is kind of hard to do in the foyer in between services if you don't have that opportunity to start up a conversation you sometimes don't get to meet new people mm-hmm. also you get to go a little deeper with people that you know because you're having deeper conversations so you get to go a little deeper with the friends that you have um also one of the other things that's kind of fun to be able to do is when you're out of your routine, you get to be able to process things in a different way. You get to think through things that you may not think through. You get to be able to hear the Holy Spirit talking to you in ways when you're out of your daily routine. I know that happens for me. When you slow down a little bit, that's really hard to do, again, in our culture. But when you have just even that 24 hours to be able to slow the pace down a little bit, to kind of focus on one thing, for the day or for the weekend, you know, be able to talk with other women and see things from a little bit of a different perspective. Mm-hmm. This year, our, our topic is on gratitude, which I'm really excited about. I'm excited to hear from you, to hear what the Holy Spirit speaks to you about and that we can share with each other. So. You are able to register in the foyer today. You're able to register at home. If you have any questions, please ask me, or um, I think a lot of the staff could probably help direct you to the right place also. But we just want to encourage you. You know, life is so much better when we're doing it together. You know, we all go through difficult seasons and difficult times, but when we can be there to pray for each other and do it together and hold each other accountable and hold each other up, it is just so much easier. Thanks. Kevin?
2: Hi, uh, and I'm Kevin Schweiger. And talk really loud my microphone. Okay, I'm Kevin Schweiger, um, marketplace minister here at Grace Chapel. And uh, half of you are, who know me and have been around for a while are going, uh, so why do you call yourself that? Because I don't even know what that means. And the other half of you are like, <laughs> i really don't know what that means but um so here at grace chapel we talk a lot about sacred versus sinful and if it's not sinful it's what sacred Sacred, and that includes your work life and so that's so much part of our dna here at grace chapel that uh, i'm the pastoral presence over that fairly new job description is kind of developing as we speak but um and so uh, a lot of what I will do in the future is just speaking into the lives of our entrepreneurs, our small business owners, our everyday working Christians, helping you uh, be faith active at work. Um, but one of the other things that I do is to teach our 201 class. Uh, David mentioned in the, uh, in the opening announcements the 101 through 501. And the 201 class is about uh, developing um, good habits to do exactly what Jeff's been talking about, to move along in your spiritual journey and your spiritual uh, disciplines. And um, so I'm going to be one of those topics that we talk about during the 201 class is about interacting with God's word and just talked about the importance importance. importance of that 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 god speaks to us that's the main tool of how he speaks to us but so many christians are like yeah i don't really know how i mean it kind of sounds foreign to me or there's so many pages and the pages are all crinkly and the parents (laughs) this big i don't know how to do that and so um we're going to i'm going to teach starting next week during second service in the hive back here what we're going to call 202 which will be kind of like 201 the little snippets of that but we're going to Pick apart that portion of the 201 class interacting with uh, God's word. And I talked in the uh, uh, when I was introducing the the communion time that there's a big difference between just attending and just kind of hanging out here at church versus actually interacting with our creator God. And so we're going to six weeks starting next Sunday, second service back in the hive, talk about strategies real life kind of ways in which you can interact with god's word Mm -hmm. and um i'm excited about that that should be fun we'll do a lot of interacting and and playing off of each other so it's not going to be me lecturing you we're all going to hang out and do this together so That's that's awesome
0: thanks guys really appreciate that that's awesome yes yes So as we, as we close it, a couple more things like we're going to be, I'm going to be rolling out. We're going to be rolling out a lot of these opportunities for you to serve opportunities for you to grow. Because again, as we got that survey, the encouraging thing is we scored really high on that survey as a church health wise. We scored really, really high. But we kind of picked on some things and we, we had an interview with someone and they said, okay, if there's any areas that people are saying they would like to grow. And this is one of the things a pastor goes, oh, this is great. People are saying, how do I get to that next step? How do I get to that next level? How do I So it's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give as many options as possible to help. People go from this step to this step to this step, taking that next step in your spiritual journey. And uh, Kevin just mentioned it. Starting, and, and uh, David did too, starting next week, uh, March the 3rd, right, is next Sunday. That's when 101 starts. Seriously, if you are serious about growing in your faith, you need to go through to 101 through 501. You need to go through all of those classes. That's the foundation of everything. You're going to find out how you can grow in your, your walk with Christ. You're going to talk about, we're going to talk about your spiritual gifts and how, what are, why, what are your spiritual gifts and how can you be used by God and what is your purpose and all of those things. So that's coming next week. And the last thing I want to share is an initiative that I'd like to kind of kick off as part of this, as Part of us are growth, we need to be reaching out in love to those around us, so i 'm calling it the three eye challenge. Number one is intercede number, one, number two is invite, and number three is invest. You want to intercede, so I want you to be thinking about I want you to be thinking about who can I, who, who would I like to see. Come to know Christ in my life. At work, at school, around my home. It doesn't matter. In your neighborhood. Who is it that you want to start, you want to start thinking about and saying, I would love to invite that person to come to Christ at some point. I want to get them to come to know the Lord, my Lord and Savior. Number two is invite them to some church event. A service, an event, a service opportunity that we're doing. Invite them to something and then invest in them. Invest in their lives. Follow them up. Serve them. Do whatever you need to do to serve that person. So you want to think about who you want to lead to Christ. Then you want to invite them, okay, to um, to one of the church events, and then you want to invest in them. Okay, those are the three eyes. Remember what I said earlier, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. True love for someone, most of all, says I want that person spending eternity with the Lord. So let's let's. Let's watch our church grow. Okay? Let's invite, let's start in really inviting people. And let's see, let's see this church grow by salvation growth if you will. People coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's let's pray and let's believe that God can bring about more even more of a revival than is happening right now within the church. And that happens when every single one of us take our responsibility to reach out and start praying for someone who we can invite and we Can invest in let's believe that this morning. Let's really truly believe that God is going to do miraculous things in our midst and that we're going to see God move in powerful ways. And we're going to see revival in this church and around this community because of you and because of your desire to honestly know who you are in Christ and then invite others to have that same that same joy, that same peace, that same contentment that we desire to have in our lives. Let's bow and hit with our heads in a word of prayer. God, thank you. Thank you so much for this amazing day you've given to us. Thank you for everything that went on here this morning. The baptisms, the communion, the testimonies, the desire, Lord, for each one of us to know you more. I pray for next week as we kick off this new series. I pray, dear God, that we would prepare our hearts, that we would even take maybe one day to fast this week in preparation for what you're going to do in our individual lives and then as the body of Christ. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Have a great week. Love you.